Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Primers to this issue 82 of the DC Primetime Podcast coming to you a day late, so we apologize for that. Uh, but we'll explain why in a second. First off, from the Showcast Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from the Gapping Crew cast of Pods, I am Rob Martin. And we are coming off of our 24-hour gaming marathon uh, for Extra Life Charity which was all day Saturday, and we say 24 hours, but it was longer. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot longer. of other... Yeah, you and me, you and me went 27, yep. so uh, everybody else for the most part, with the exception of a couple of us. It was about six of us that went 27. Everybody else uh, did pretty much wrap up at, at the 24-hour mark, which was, uh, was, was pretty impressive, but still... Uh, tired. <laughs> yeah. Still, still exhausted from it all. I yeah. mean, you you yeah. put together twenty seven hours of gameplay, uh, an hour or two of setup, uh, you know, an hour or two of of cleanup afterwards. You're looking at probably close to like a thirty to a thirty two hour time span that we've been up. Uh, and there were definitely times throughout that that you could tell in our faces at different points, but you could look at us and could tell we were struggling. Yeah, we we were hurting. Yeah. Um, there's no lie about that. Yeah, but it it's always weird how when you get to the end and you get to like that last hour. Yeah, you know, you get you get to maybe like hour seventeen or something, and you're really struggling to stay awake. And then all of a sudden, you get that like that fourth or fifth wind, and you get to hour like twenty four, which leads into like twenty five and twenty six, and you're wide awake again. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's weird how your body does that to you because like after everybody left, I'm like, but I could do another game. Yeah, why does everybody have to go home now? I'm awake. Yeah, and then the moment I laid in bed, I was out in like five minutes. So. I, it's funny. I had a forty five minute drive home, which I did completely fine. Never got tired or anything like that. I was still on that wind when I got home, and I was like, you know what? I'm unloading the car now. I'm hooking everything back up now. I'm doing it all tonight, so that this way, when I go to bed, and I wake up in the morning, I don't have to set an alarm. I don't have to get up out of bed if I don't want to. I'm just, um, just being completely lazy on Sunday, and I did. I slept until like two, three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, I, I, I was right around the same point. I woke up, I think, around like six in the morning randomly and then went immediately back to sleep and i I woke up at around 1 30 said goodbye to a couple of people that were still at our place and uh really disappointed and happy the rest of the day (laughs) yeah i did too i i I think i woke up around like 8 30 and i woke up i looked at my alarm clock i was like oh hell no 
I am going right back, <laughs> right back to sleep. I think I slept until like two, and then I got up, did some laundry, cleaned a little bit, and then I think I took another hour nap a little bit later on in the day, maybe like around like seven or something. Yeah, yeah. I dozed back off for like another hour, but still feeling it, still tired. But it was for a great cause. We raised a lot of money this year. Um, six thousand four hundred twenty-eight dollars and fifty cents, to be exact. Yeah, which is amazing. And uh, actually, that number actually may be higher. I am not quite sure yet. That actually could be another hundred dollars. I, I, I actually that will be another hundred dollars. So we actually beat where we fell last year. Uh, it'll actually be because uh, Josh, who was the winner of our arcade tournament this year, uh, was received an extra hundred dollars uh, to donate, which I know he still had to deposit. So at our official totals will be six thousand five hundred twenty-eight dollars and fifty cents. That's awesome. Yeah, I know I blew away my personal goal from last year. Uh, my personal goal last year was three hundred dollars, and I think I raised three hundred and fifteen. I set my goal this year at five hundred, and I raised seven hundred and fifty. Yeah, so yeah. I more than doubled my goal from last year, which I was very happy about. I did pretty well. I did 1,365. I was actually second of all PS Nation, which was pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty so. awesome. And we gave away our prizes. We gave away we our, did. Our, 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 uh, our, work, our artwork from Brian C. Roll of Odyssey Art, uh, odysseyart.net. And, yeah, we gave away – we did a Facebook Live from the event right on the DC Primetime Facebook page, facebook.com slash DC Primetime, uh, and gave away all five of our, our prizes, the mug, uh, and the headshot brought to us by given to us by Drew Powell and the four pieces of artwork that were done. So, uh, yeah. So, congratulations to all of our winners. And if you were one of the winners, uh, we'll definitely contact you if we if I haven't already. But we'll post the the list of winners on the Facebook page as well. I don't have the list of winners in front of me. So, yeah. Um, just, just look for the video. You'll you'll find out if you won. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I th- if you won, I think I contacted you already. So. Uh, unfortunately, if you did not get contacted, I don't. I don't think you're one of the winners. Uh, but moving forward on with the podcast, uh, two things I want to make mention of real quick before we start talking about the shows. Uh, number one, we're going to be delayed a day again next week for next week's ep- issue, only because uh, we're still exhausted from this week. We were going to split the. We were going to do the recording of the podcast early this week because of my trip to Atlanta, uh, but we really didn't want to record two podcasts in one week. Two issues in one week uh, because I'm leaving on Friday morning. So uh, we're going to record on Monday when I get back from Heroes and Villains Atlanta. Which means we will have not seen Justice League by that time. So no Justice League review next week. No. Hopefully the week after, though. I think we'll try and see it. We will find a time between – wow, which is Thanksgiving week. So we will definitely have to find time. Uh, sometime in that window to do that. Yeah. Uh, But on the note of Heroes and Villains, I do now know what my panels will be in Atlanta, and I can say without a shadow of a doubt, these three panels are absolutely amazing and are the three biggest panels I have ever done yet. Um, I know I told you about them already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I found out early, early last week, yeah, before it was official. I did originally have four panels that I was going to do. Uh, I did drop one of them. I gave one of them up for uh, another panelist that was going to be there so that he could have two panels. And I, w- I didn't want to be greedy and take four while he only had one. I was asked. I didn't have to give it up. But I, I was nice enough to give up uh, the Arrowcast panel, which uh, I've done a number of times already. So I was okay with giving it up. But 
I still kept the three big panels of the weekend. And these are, I think you can agree with me, these will be the three largest panels of the weekend. Yeah, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, for starters, I will be on stage with Katie Lotz, Katie Cassidy, and Juliana Harkavy for a Canaries panel, which is going to be really cool uh, and a lot of fun because I've already been on stage with Katie Cassidy and Katie Lotz before. Going to be meeting Juliana Harkavy for the first time, which is cool. I'm actually meeting somebody new for the first time in all three of these panels, which I'm really stoked about. Uh, the second panel I'm going to be doing, which, again, I'm going in order of stoked because – that's pretty much the order they go. Uh, Robbie Amell and Victor Garber for a Firestorm panel. And maybe we'll find out if there's a passing of the torch. Which I'm be, hoping. It would be great. And I'm telling but you right now. based off of this week, I don't think so. <laughs> so. Uh, I'm telling you right now, I am so excited to meet Victor Garber. So excited to meet Victor Garber. Uh, and last, but certainly far from least on these panels, uh, when Emily Bett Rickards was announced as a guest and David Ramsey and Stephen Amell were also there. Everybody was clamoring for an OTA, Original Team Arrow panel, because they have not done, with the exception of San Diego Comic-Con, they have not done one since season one of the show. Uh, and Comic-Con doesn't really count because it's the full cast. It's not just the three of them. This is the first time in about four years this panel has been put together at any convention, and I'm the one moderating it. I will be on stage with uh, David Ramsey, Emily Bett Rickards and Stephen Amell. Never met Emily before. Uh, I've met Stephen a number of times. I've been on stage with David a number of times, but I've never moderated for Stephen. Uh, and now I get to do it for all three of them. So I am beyond stoked uh, to be doing these three panels. I've already begun communication with FanFest about getting at least the audio of the panels so that we can have them to share for the podcast. Um, again, they've gotten a little stricter in their media release, which I don't get why, because they don't release them themselves. So I don't know what the point of even recording them is if they're not going to allow them out. But uh, hopefully, since I'm, I'm moderating these panels, uh, I'll be able to get audio of them to share with all of you primers. Mm -hmm. uh, but that leads me to the second piece. I know we'll probably talk about this a little bit more in the news, but I want to just put an arrowhead in it right now. No pun intended. Um, yes, Rob and I are very aware of the news that broke this weekend about uh, Arrow and uh, Supergirl showrunner Andrew Kreisberg. Yes. Uh, we know about the allegations against Andrew Kreisberg. We know that he has been suspended from the show for the time being. Uh, that being said, we're not going to discuss it. It is still an ongoing investigation with CW. It's an ongoing investigation with the WB, with Warner Brothers. Uh, no, as of right now, it is still just an accusation. Um these panels I'm doing this weekend are going to be a very touchy subject because there have already been emails amongst all of us at FanFest as to how to handle this situation if these questions arise. Uh, if FanFest is being touchy about this, Stephen, Emily, and David have already made um, have already come out uh, about it. Melissa has already come out about it. Melissa Benoist from Supergirl. Uh, and they're pretty much very vague in their answers. Um, they have not addressed Andrew Kreisberg uh, personally in their responses, which I think is smart because you don't want to make things awkward if this does, in fact, turn around and there, these, there's nothing to these allegations. Uh, they're addressing the situation and not the person. Right. So, um, mm -hmm. Which is very smart. So um, until there is any kind of proof or uh, results to this investigation, uh, you and I will not be 
addressing right. this. And I think as the well. biggest the biggest thing we can say is I, I think it goes without saying if you guys know me and Ben by now and have been listening for some time, uh, probably know that uh, we absolutely stand behind any of the women that are are coming forward and stating things. Uh, unfortunately, because this is a where we're discussing news. Unless there's something concrete, we can't report on it. That's where the way we're trying to take our, our thought process on a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, if this is uh, if these are indeed allegations that are proven, we will happily discuss them more in full in the show when that does come out. But at this time, um, it, you know, we're, we're addressing the elephant in the room. We, we're aware of it. You know, there's a similar thing now happening to Gal Gadot basically came out and stated if Rat Pack Entertainment, which is Brett Ratner's company, uh, doesn't break away from Wonder Woman 2, she will not return. Um, that, from what we heard in the last two hours, that comment may have not happened. We're not sure. Uh, but we are aware that these stories did break this week. Um, but again, there's nothing concrete at this time yet, uh, like a lot of the other allegations that have been currently going on, where there have been proven things. Uh, unfortunately, for both of these, no one's quite sure yet what's happening. So let's leave it at that. But uh, I'm sure we will be coming back to these eventually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, with that being said, let's move on with the podcast. And of course, let's talk about the shows for the week. Uh, I'm kind of dreading this because, uh, I'm not really given great reviews across the board this week. Um, let's give our reviews of the shows. Okay. Uh, starting off. It. Yeah. Starting off first with Supergirl season three, episode five, uh, sidekick hero or legend. I'm going to go hero. Uh, nothing horrible, nothing great. Uh, that's right down the middle, which is what Supergirl is constantly being. Uh, and I'm a little concerned, though, too, because they played that politics card very heavy-handedly again this again. week. Again, yeah. Uh, in two spots. I don't know if you caught one of them, but I definitely caught both. I caught the Flint, Michigan reference for the water. Um, and then the locker-up chants that were taking place, yes. which... And I'm like, come on, guys. It's... I... I it was it was I loved when they were doing it in season two. Now it feels like every episode and I am I'm falling right next to you on this that it's getting to be a little too much and it's starting to take me out of these shows a little too much. Yeah, it's a little heavy handed so. at this mm-hmm. point. Um, uh, I also gave this one a hero. It, it, it fell right down the middle. Um, my biggest thing about this was this was a Kevin Smith directed episode and I, it has nothing to do with Kevin because I'm sure he did the best he could with what was already written. Uh, but from a Kevin Smith directed episode, I expected more. Yeah, so. not not a lot to love in this episode. No, uh, which leads me to unfortunately this one, The Flash season uh, season four, episode five. We have been extremely strong with The Flash all season, uh, and this season it was a low low end hero. Um, I think even I think you would agree with this too. Borderline sidekick. I think I'm giving it a sidekick. Very high sidekick, but uh, <laughs> it's still getting a sidekick. Um, a lot of things in here that I just didn't understand and probably some of the sloppiest writing I've seen from the show ever. That, that <laughs> I hate to, to say it. I yeah, really hate to say it. But. That seems to be a general consensus is the writing of the episode is what really hurt this one. Um, it was a concept that could have worked incredibly well with strong writing, and they just what they did, they did not earn. And so. it, it sucks because we'll get into this a little bit um, – uh, we'll get into this a little bit more as we're discussing the episode, but the whole hashtag feminism thing, I think, worked against the episode and not for it. So, um, but we'll, again, we'll discuss that a little bit more as we break down the episode. Uh, next up, Legends of Tomorrow, Season 3, Episode 5. 
uh high-end hero for me um borderline legend if there was any show this week that wouldn't have gotten that would have gotten a legend it was legends uh, for me, I'm going to give it a low-tier legend, just because I forgot how much I love Damien Dark and <laughs> Return, of, Return of the Mac as a song. So uh, thank you for reminding me, Legends, on both of those things. So <laughs> All right. uh, it, it gets a legend for me because, man, I am so happy to have Damien Dark back. I was actually really, really worried about that, and I'm sure you guys will call me out on that. Uh, as I brought it up that I was concerned when they brought him back. But, man, Neil McDonough, this makes me smile. Uh, he is such a great villain, and um, man, it, 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 I, I'm, I'm happy he's there. So Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, and finally, we have Arrow Season 6, Episode 5, uh, si- Ooh, excuse me, Sidekick Hero or Legend? I'm giving it a hero. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm really skating dangerously close to a legend on this one, too. So, Oh, um, really? Yeah, I was, I was, I was very angry at about a reveal, and uh, but you're, I, but you're skating close to a legend. Or no, sorry, skating very close to a sidekick. Okay, sorry. that's what my, was confusing. My brains hasn't quite booted since the other day, and it's kind of stuck. Um, you know, I had a Windows update going earlier, and it felt like that's where my brain was. And I'm like, nope, it's stuck at fifteen percent, and it's not going past it. So, uh, yeah, no, I, it got dangerously close to a sidekick for me on this one too because they really fumbled something that I was expecting great things from, and they just, man, they let me down. And maybe I was wrong. There was not a single appearance by the Green Arrow in this no, episode. No, there really <laughs> no. I think there was. There was one very quick appearance at, with Diggle as Green Arrow because uh, I do remember him call, um, carrying the crossbow, but uh, it was extremely quick, mm. uh, almost to the point of forgotten as you seem to have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I'm on the same boat. This was a hero, low-end hero, close to sidekick uh, for me as well. And you and I both agree that uh, there was a reveal in this episode that we'll talk about that was extremely lackluster. Mm-hmm. Very lackluster. Uh, and we'll get to that a little bit more when we break it down. But let's go back to the beginning, talk about Supergirl Season 3, Episode 5, titled Damage. Do we as have I'm- to? Can we just play <laughs> yeah. the... We talked about this before. Can we just play Return of the Mac for an hour and a half and then just call it a day? <laughs> I know. <laughs> we'll just mix it up with the, with a clip of Nate singing it as well from Legends. Yeah, that's uh, fine. And who stole my watch? <laughs> uh, uh, Morgan Edge blames Lena for children getting sick from lead poisoning. Um, man, okay. So for starters, I, I think it's pretty clear that they're they're building Morgan Edge to be the new Lex Luthor for this show. Um, well, you mean the the new Maxwell Lord, a.k.a. So if Maxwell Lord was the Kmart version of Lex Luthor, this is the James Way version of Maxwell Lord. Okay. <laughs> so, right. uh, and if anybody gets James Way props to you, that means you're well over the age of 30. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I, the other thing that obviously was a big part of this episode is and let's just get it out of the way now. The final nail in the coffin has been driven on the Alex and Maggie storyline. Uh, I think Floriana Lima has pretty much left the show at this point. I don't know if she's going to be returning uh, after leaving everything. But again, even with that storyline, it's been drug out for so long that at the time when they finally said, like, we have to stop, we have to end this, I almost wanted to cheer. It's like, finally, we knew this was coming. Uh, it's about damn time. It took five episodes for this to happen. And, I mean, I understand, uh, like, 
some people would be like, why make it quick? This is, you know, yeah, you're not going to do it in one episode. But, I, you know, I don't know. I was actually happy that it finally happened. Uh, yeah, they, it felt like they could have closed that story out about two weeks ago, and they chose not to. And they said, well, let's drive this home a lot more last week, and they didn't end it then. And like, let's do it in a whole another week. And it felt like, man, we got, what, two two scenes with Supergirl? Like, not a lot of heroics this week out of any of these shows. Might Actually, with the exception minus of Legends. Legends. Yeah. yeah. Not a lot of heroics at all. Um, it felt like all of them decided that this week everybody was on vacay. Uh, it, that's that's exactly kind of what it felt like, and it was weird, especially when you're going show to show to show, which is unfortunately how I watched most of this this week. Um, that I'm like, there's just the my, the heroics of the of the week are just not there, and that's one of my favorite parts of it is these wonderful grandiose moments. Thankfully, we got it from Deathstroke, but if we didn't, man, <laughs> this was going to be a slow week. You know, um, you're you're absolutely right too. Thinking about it overall, with all four shows, these are four superhero shows in which only one of them gave us actual superheroes. Yeah, pretty uh, much. And that's uh, you know, it's kind of disappointing. Like I almost want to give these shows a lower ranking now. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, we do get this great sequence at the end with with you know Supergirl, you know, saving the plane, which was a great sequence. Don't get me wrong, but. Man, I was just kind of like, you know what? We haven't seen Guardian suit up yet this season no, at all. No, I was thinking the same thing. And then when Jimmy got shot, I thought, okay, there's a couple more weeks. We're not going to see Guardian suited up. It's almost as if like they're looking for reasons to put him in situations so that they don't have to suit him up as Guardian yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're saving him for something. I don't know because we've gotten mentions of Guardian or at least him and Wynn going out and doing what they do. But – we haven't gotten anything from it yet this season. Yeah, it's been very minimal. Um, but, I mean, again, this was, a you know, the Morgan Edge character. And, like, you know, I know Morgan Edge is a big, important character in, in comic books, especially, like, as we mentioned before, with Intergang, which I'm surprised that still hasn't come up yet. Um, I'm very kind of amazed that they haven't gone that direction, which I was very confused about. It's this kind of like, nope, they're just making him a Lex Luthor type again, which we've already gotten twice on the show. Uh, once with Morgan Edge, once with Maxwell Lord, and it's kind of like, come on, guys, move. You can do this. I believe in you. And they're they're stalling out, waiting until rain becomes rain. You know, well, between well, for Sam to become rain. And I, I'm a little concerned that they're they're taking their time, um, and I don't think they should be. I, I think they need to move, and I'm getting afraid that they're going to fall into what they fell into last year if it doesn't happen soon. So. I, I feel like they're almost trying to – I feel like they have plans for the show. They're, they're, they're planting the seeds for whatever is going to come of this show and whatever is going to be uh, what it is. Because with the exception of Morgan Edge, have we even met or gotten a hint of a big bad yet for this season? Well, we know it's going to be – we know it's going to be rain. It's yeah, the- but, but even with rain, we don't know to what degree it's going to be. I mean we know rain is going to go evil at one point because we've seen the images of her looking the way like a, a, a doomsday kind of S character. But we've also seen her in a costume. So Yeah, well, in, in addition to that, we did see the Kryptonian, uh, like the weird – you know, like uh, Kryptonians looking at her and going all creepy looking. Uh, so, like, there's that prophecy angle. We have seen that play out a couple times now, so we know there's more coming to it. We got that next nod this week when we found out that uh, when somebody was trying to kill Lena, uh, she took a bullet and she didn't realize it. Um, so, which I thought they actually handled fairly well. I love that they kind of touched base on that real quick at the end of the episode. But uh, it's a slow build. It is a very slow build, but at least you can tell where it's going, Yeah, which is what I can't say for one of the shows we're going to talk about. 
So. Um, yeah, I mean, and as far as like you know, with Supergirl, man, I had so many issues with the main plot of this, with the whole lead poisoning and Morgan Edge making it look like Lena. Like it's okay. I understand that we live in a world, or this is a world where. Uh, a pair of eyeglasses sets Supergirl and Kara apart to the point where people are so oblivious that they don't know this is the same person. Uh, you know, same thing with uh, another issue I had with Arrow is, again, you have to set reality aside. People don't realize, like this FBI agent that's investigating them, you don't realize that the Black Canary is, um, you know, is Juliana Harkavy's character. Like, come on. It's a simple piece of cloth across her eyes. Well, she totally did. Like, she's just catfishing at this point. Like, you, you could tell when, well, but we'll talk about that when we hit the arrow. Uh, again. Because I but, have a big gripe with that sequence when we talk about it, so. <laughs> but, I mean, again, like, the whole thing with the lead poisoning, like, are people in the city so oblivious that they don't realize it's only kids that are being affected by this. If this is actual lead poisoning from a device that's, you know, could cause anybody, why are there no adults affected? Like you wouldn't put two and two together and think to investigate this a little, a little further before you're ready to lynch somebody over it. Well, yeah, well, bear in mind, they're, they're pulling from a lot of real world things in the real world. We, we throw stones very quickly, so they're actually doing it fairly accurately. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess if you put if you look at facts? it that way, we don't need facts. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we don't need no stinking facts. But no, I will say, though, that what that brings us kind of to that Flint, Michigan dig that they do. I'm I'm that's what I think my concern is. It's not the political statements that they're making. I'm actually OK with that. Um, I, You know what? I mentioned the other week. Um, you know what? Let them draw their lines in the sand. Let them play. If they want to lean that direction, my problem is having it tied to our normal world. Um, I, that's where it's taking me out of the show. Let it make make their own versions of those stories. But the moment they say Flint, Michigan, or they do the locker up chance or any of these things and, the, the you know, the border wall a couple weeks ago. They, those are current actual things that are happening here. I don't believe that. In whatever world, it is the exact same political candidates, anything like that. We know they're not. They've showed us this. So it's it, it seems very weird that they're pulling from that stuff the way that they are. Uh, and it feels like now they're, 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 they're using that because they don't know what to write. And they're, they're not being creative. And that's something I think they need to do is they're, they're very terrified to not go outside of, they're like, well, people won't get what we're trying to say. Then, like, then maybe you shouldn't say it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and again, that brings me to another point that I, I, was, I was leading towards before, and I, I kind of got distracted. Um, you know, we're seeing, I think they have a place that they want to go with this show, but it feels like until they hit the crossover, they're just filling time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say, and I hope I'm not wrong on this, Next week, or this week rather, at the time you're listening to this, with the Supergirl origin uh, going back to Midvale, I'm actually kind of excited about this uh, because we haven't gotten an origin yet. We know kind of we know where Kara is from, we know how she got to Earth, and we know who she grew up with, but we never got any of that in between. So I'm actually kind of excited about this week to see what they're going to do with this, mm-hmm. especially considering I don't even think really. I don't think Melissa Benoit and um, you know Kyler Lee are even going to play a very large role in this episode. We'll probably see them for a little bit, but I think it's going to be the younger versions of them this week. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious on how they're going to play it this week, and it's a big wait and see. But you know what? I, I think it's a great time to take a break from National City and 
man, it's crazy to think. Like I said, we have tonight and then next week and then crossover time. Like, it's holy crap. Yeah. It's and, right around the corner. And, and I and think I know... this, is, this is the fill-in time. You're right. Yeah. And I know we've already brought it up and, uh, you know, even looking ahead again, to, um, you know, two weeks from now uh, is the episode in which they go to investigate the ship that's underwater. Uh, and I made the prediction that I think it's Monel. It's the return of Monel. And looking ahead, uh, Chris Wood is listed in the credits. Mm-hmm. So I think this could be the return of Monel before the crossover. I think so too. So I'm very excited. I'm that means ready. episode 81, we have to redact that score. So let's try not to forget. <laughs> That's true. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's. The only other thing I can really think of to talk about is we're now finally starting to get a little bit more of a lead-in into Samantha becoming Rain. We do see that she was indeed shot. And I did watch Supergirl was actually the only episode this week that I watched twice. Uh, only because uh, yesterday I went back and I just started from the beginning. I watched all four episodes back-to-back, and I had already watched Supergirl earlier. And I had initially thought that possibly she was uh, – Jimmy was shot from a ricochet off of Samantha. Mm-hmm. And then when the bullet actually falls from her shirt, you realize, okay, that can't be because Jimmy, that wouldn't have happened. Right. Like, it couldn't have been a ricochet because the bullet would have been in Jimmy. She wouldn't have had the bullet. Uh, but we're now starting to see that she's starting to gain abilities. She's becoming bulletproof. Uh, she's having these mental flashes of whoever these um, uh, these followers are, uh, the, the, the children of Rao. That I, I mean, at least that's, I'm assuming that's who they are. Uh, so uh, we're now starting to develop a little bit more into that rain storyline as to how quickly it progresses from this point is beyond me. I but... think that we're going to see right before the uh, crossover. I think we're going to get close to hitting all, a full steam ahead. So, OK, uh, anything. Uh, oh, one question I had for you and mm-hmm. you can help me with this. And this just tells you how oblivious I, I either how oblivious I am to it or um, how poignant uh kevin made it in his directing kara calls james james correct she doesn't call him jimmy correct does anybody call him jimmy uh clark <laughs> that's okay it. all right so i'm i'm right okay that's what i had assumed is that everybody calls him james and then when he talks to lena he says but my friends call me jimmy that particular moment between james and lena um, I think it was a good moment between the two characters because I've even said there could be a little bit of a relationship between them. And it seems like they're, they're definitely building up shipping those two characters. And you know what? I'm actually good with it. I, I think that could actually make things fairly interesting. And I I, I'm too. all aboard. But there's but that one particular line um, of him saying to Lena, my friends call me Jimmy. That particular line stood out to me uh, for one particular reason. And it's because it is a very kevin smith-esque thing to say mm-hmm. you know kevin you know how big of a fan he is of these characters and i when i heard that line i instantly thought in the back of my head this is kevin on set saying look can we just call him jimmy once because that's who he is yeah you yeah know? it's true so he wrote that in or he had them say that so that you could you could get the reference of him being called jimmy olsen at least once in an episode that he directed so that line definitely stood out to me, and as soon as I heard it, I immediately thought that was Kevin. That was all yeah, Kevin. That definitely that stuck out like a Kevin Smith line. Absolutely, yes, exactly. And when I heard it too, I kind of got goosebumps, and I'm like, that was a Kevin line. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. That was totally a Kevin line. So I was I, that at least perked me up a little bit with the episode. 
Uh, anything else about Supergirl before we are moving on to the Flash? Moving on. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's just move past it and could talk about Legends in Return of the Mac. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then episode over. So. Episode over. Oh, so next week, uh, as we did talk about it a little bit for Supergirl before we move on. Uh, Kara and Alex are headed home to Midvale for a little bit of rest and relaxation, uh, and apparently there's going to be some recalling of some painful memories while they're there. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, so onwards to The Flash, Season 4, Episode 5, titled Girls' Night Out. Caitlin fears that her pastime as Killer Frost may be back to haunt her. Felicity helps celebrate Iris's bachelorette party while Barry is taken out for a night on the town. Where to begin? Uh, can we just go with the fun parts and then skip the rest? Um, uh, we can. Uh, <laughs> I, I can say a couple things, you, you know, obviously to make note of is we got the introduction of yet another of the 12 metas. Mm-hmm. And I think you even called it who he was going to be. Um, or maybe you had read it, but I do know you had mentioned it before that one of the people on the bus was going to probably end up being the Weeper. Uh, and that's exactly who we got this week. Yeah. So, um, but we got that, and then we got Aminette Black, and man, I didn't even realize that it was Katie Sackoff for a few moments uh, because I was not used to seeing her decked out the way that she was, the accent going, all this stuff. Uh, and when I realized it was her, I was like, "Oh my god, she's chewing scenery like Whitworth Miller." I absolutely <laughs> love this, <laughs> you know. Uh, and I know some people are going to probably really just hate her the performance that she gave. But they need another character like this. They absolutely do, especially the version of The Flash that we're getting this season. They need another one of these characters in the repertoire to bring back when they can. And I think this was the right call. I was actually really happy with her performance. She was a lot of fun. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with her down the road. So uh, as far as Katie Sackhoff's performance, I, you know what? People can say as much as they want. That was one of my highlights for this week. So. Yeah, I mean, and I, I do agree with you. I did enjoy the character. I'm not too familiar with the character as you are, um, you know, so I, I kind of made a note that she was almost like the DC's version of Magneto, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with the, the metal around her hand forming the fist. And uh, I thought it was really cool. I thought it was great, the special effects on how they handled it. Uh, I do hope, though, when she does return, she becomes more of a uh, a character for Barry to face off with other than Caitlin. Mm-hmm. Um, I can understand why they did it with Caitlyn because they're trying to bring out this Killer Frost. Uh, and I, 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 we keep saying Killer Frost, and she's not. She's more just Frost now. Right. Uh, right. You know, the, the killer aspect is gone. They're moving her forward and finally closing out the, the dual personality thing, the Jekyll and Hyde thing that they're doing with her character, which is good. I'm happy that they're closing that book, and we're going to get a, a Caitlyn that can control her powers. I think it's time. Um, but you know, and honestly, the stuff that they did with Killer Frost this week was great. That was not the problem. <laughs> no, it, it really, really wasn't. The, um, the problem was everything else. <laughs> well, I don't uh, want to. Well, I not everything else. The majority yeah. of everything else. So. The stuff with the guys' bachelor party, I thought was great. Um, I really did enjoy a lot of that, with the exception of the fact that, as you had mentioned earlier, we ne- we didn't get any flash this week. There was no flash in this episode. But we got drunk Barry, and I was just as happy with that. <laughs> yes. And, I'm not going to lie. And um, we got some more great moments with Ralph this week, too. Um, and looking ahead at the promo for next week, it's more training of Barry, you know, Barry and, and Ralph. And that's what I love. You made a comment to me over the weekend because um, you had watched this episode before I did. And 
I kept that comment in mind when I watched this episode. And man, you were spot on in what you said. And when you said that Ralph reminds you of old school Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. And he does. Like that whole scene, um, you know, when when they break the picture of him as, cu- as number one customer of um, the strip club. And he just like... I can't even remember exactly what it is that he says, but whatever he says and he gets up and goes after the guy like that to me, that screamed old school Jim Carrey. That was like yeah. Ace Ventura Jim Carrey. It's like Ace Ventura in living color, like the classic, like when you think of him in his, when he started breaking out as a comedic actor. And even honestly, it's just the rubber face that he has normally. His expressions and such are really reminiscent of the way that Carrey used to act. Uh, when you got a lot of these like very stretched jaws, the way that he carries and moves his neck, all those things that you know, the way that they're portraying this character, it all brings me back to that, and it's it reminds me of before Carrie became a little much. <laughs> so, uh, but I, you know, I will say this: I really, really enjoyed it, and I thought it was fantastic. Like his his performance is making me incredibly happy and loving what they're doing with that. Um, and I think think you're right. The stuff in the the you know the strip club this week was some of the funniest sequences. You know, my, I think the the one that makes us smile the most was probably. So I should be a little bit more conspicuous, like you know, like Barry over there and this flash is <laughs> over the him. Flash, I'm the Flash. I'm the Flash. No, yeah, God, that was so good. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and it's I mean. Even stuff with, uh, you know, with Kavanaugh and Joe and, and everything like the at the elements of the bachelor party are honestly what saved me giving this episode a sidekick saved um, saved from giving this episode a sidekick. I still gave it a sidekick. <laughs> so, um, I mean, again, my favorite moments to this episode again, I'm at black and it was drunk Barry saying I'm the flash. And I think my favorite one was Joe is I'm a cop and then getting knocked out. And yeah, I'm the flash. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, or the crying over chicken wings. But unfortunately, that's only about Dude, five minutes of this entirety oh of the episode. Oh, my God. I forgot about the crying over the chicken wings. That scene had me cracking up. I was in stitches from that. That that was just amazingly, amazingly done. Um, but let's get to the rough part because that stuff was such a small side story of all <laughs> So this. everything else a part of the episode. Uh, the Cecile... Felicity, Iris, Caitlin's story of it all. Uh, and as I think, I can't remember, I apologize if I got the people mixed up on who said this. Uh, there was a great conversation going on from some of the, from the, uh, you know, the Arrow fans group uh, that I jumped in on and was having some discussions with them. And that was uh, one of our listeners by the name of Ann. Uh, and then it was, uh, uh, I can't remember, I think it's... Uh, Paul, I think, yeah. was in that conversation. Yeah, it was Paul. Paul Williams was in that conversation as well. Myself, and there was one other listener. I think it was, um, oh, my God, uh, Odette, I think. Uh, I think uh, o- Odette Pope-Wells, I think it is. Yes, I think yes. I think you're right, yeah. Okay, and I want to say it was maybe Anne that said the comment, but I think I was like, holy crap, that's exactly what it was, is this episode was, you know, you heard them say, you know, feminism this, feminism this, but, like, they were – that's obvious. You don't have to state that anymore. It's okay. And she made the comment saying it basically came off as instead of being like, hey, this is a true feministic movement and this is a great idea and it's something that they could have done right. But instead it came off like Spice Girls where like blah, 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 girl power. You know, that's exactly what it felt like. And I 
got to agree. That was exactly what it was. And I watched it a second time just to see if that's how it's how it still made me feel. And man, I hated the episode even more thinking about it in that that pretense. But it's so true. Uh, and that's something that really, really hurt this episode. Um, you know what? And like, you know, I would love and we were all saying, man, like they have the right roster of characters in the DC universe on CW to make a female superhero show and give us a you know that Birds of Prey show that we all want, anything that we want. But man, this was not a way to represent moving towards that direction some way down in the future. This was how to set things back by leaps and bounds, and they succeeded if that was their goal. Yeah, <laughs> uh, exponentially. Man, it was rough. Uh, even Felicity, who normally a character I actually enjoy when it doesn't have to do with the relationship with Oliver Queen, um, I, she even felt out of character in this episode, like insanely. Um, and it was just kind of like, since when are her and Iris besties that they're out and about doing this stuff, you know, for a bachelorette party? It's just kind of, it, they even kind of nod to it. It's kind of like, well, Iris doesn't have any female friends. Well, that's the show's fault. Now they tried to find a way to make it work, and it kind of made it stick out like a sore thumb uh, about a, a thing I've never thought about before. And they said, nope, this is really it. This is the only people and only female people in her lives that are her friends. And I'm like, man, that's kind of a sad existence. And it made me realize that the show never, you know, we all know that it never fleshed Iris out incredibly well. But this was proof positive that it was a lot worse than I thought it was. So, yeah. I mean, you go back to the hashtag feminism thing. I mean, uh, we first heard, I think the first person we heard say it was Cecile in the house before they left. Um, You know, and one time is fine, but then later on in the episode, we get it where all four of the women are saying it at the same time, or the other three of the women are saying it at the same time. It's like, okay, you've not only just, you didn't just drive your point forward, you kind of shoved it down our throats at at this point. Um, And again, going back to what I had said earlier about how this was supposed to be something that showed these these strong feminine characters, hence the hashtag feminism. But I feel like instead of improving the show, it hurt the episode. Uh, later on in the episode, we have this scene where, uh, you know, um, Iris and Felicity decide to take it on their own and grab weapons and go and try and save, save Caitlin and instead get caught. Well, what the hell did you think was going to happen? Like, you're not showing strong female characters at this point. You're showing... You played into a trope instead. Yeah, and, and that's exactly it. You just said it better than I could have. You you fell into this trope of, like, these characters are weak and stupid. And that's not these characters at all. But you fell right into it by trying to be something that... By trying to do something you shouldn't have done in this episode to begin with. You either have them build up and actually just wreck house and wreck shop and awesome. I would have been, like, all for it. That could have saved this episode in a big, bad way. But then they're like, well, we got to move Caitlin forward and just have her a part of it. That's it. That's all you needed to do. Um, but instead, they man, they fell into the trappings that they're trying. They were trying to preach against and and made uh, made what they were trying to do a joke. And that was really disappointing. Yeah. Uh, and you know, what? like I said, I, I, the fact that when I saw Girls Night Out, I'm like, awesome. One of my favorite episodes ever in the animated series uh, for Batman was Girls Night Out. It was the Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn, and then they dealt with Batgirl and Supergirl. And it was such a fun episode. It was so great. It was some of the best writing. This is a show that this is back in the early 90s and beyond succeeded back then. And we're now in 2017, almost 2018, and you still can't get it right. I was like, come on, if a cartoon can do it in 22 minutes and you have 44 to work with, you did something wrong. I mean, come on, guys. 
Yeah. There was, and honestly, you know what? The other thing that was a nail in the coffin for me is they saved the day in the end. They stopped Aminette Black, and they're like, okay, I guess we just let her go. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> I did that, I don't know if that didn't, if that bothered you or not, but man, it pissed me off. <laughs> there was also so like, much, yeah. And she's like, what? We're not going to kill her. I'm like, okay, I guess so. we'll see you sometime later this season? Probably. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, I'll talk to you guys later. Uh And then they save the Weeper, and they're like, then he's just like, you guys are insane, and just leaves. And they're like, well, we have achieved nothing. Congratulations, guys. Um, It was just, man, (laughs) I don't know what to say. It didn't bother me at that point, because at that point in the show, I was already so fed up with everything that had happened that by the time it got to that point and they let him go, I was just like... I'm not surprised. I'm really not surprised at this point that they just kind of let her go. And And my brain, my brain goes back to an old Dennis Leary uh, comedy album when he's talking about his kids drawing on a car with a rock. He's like, that's great. You know, go ahead. Why don't you just draw a big old flower on the side of daddy's car? I'm just going (laughs) to lay on the asphalt for a while. And you you just wake me up and tell me when we're done. Yeah, that's exactly where my brain was at. And I'm like, that's cool. When I hear the after credit sequences or whatever, or if I hear DeVoe, I'm going to perk back up at that point. But I'm good. I think I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna lay here for a little bit. <laughs> um, speaking of that, we did actually get to see. There's two other things I want to make mention of about this episode before we move on uh, to happier times this week. And you know what sucks too is the way this show has been. These first four episodes this season, I never once thought that we would be talking this negative negatively about an episode of The Flash. At least not this soon. This show, I mean, just from last week to this week, has done a complete 180. Total 180. And it's yeah. kind of disappointing. And, uh, you know, it's. Uh, I hope with next week they kind of find their footing again and they go back to that fun flash that we've gotten so far. I, um, I think we're going to get back to it. I, You know what? These shows are allowed to have a, an off episode here or there, but I don't remember one from The Flash ever this bad. No. And, uh, oof. <laughs> That 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 made me that made me a little sad, a little scared, and I'm like, come on, guys. And there's something about the season of all the shows right now that have not, aside from the Flash, for the most part, that have just not been impressing me. Like, I can't wait to tune in next week. And now I'm like, I don't really feel like I need to tune into anything this coming week, but I know I have to. So, oh, we have to, yeah. Oh, I, absolutely. I mean, I'm not gonna not do that, but I mean, that's how it kind of left me feeling. And I'm like, that's the show I, I'm excited about every week, and oof, I, I'm. I, I'm <laughs> I'm a little afraid right now. So, yeah. uh, but again, uh, two other things that we got out of this episode. The first being we did get uh, Iris asking Caitlin to be the maid of honor, which uh, I think was completely predictable because, mm-hmm. as we had already been revealed in the episode, Candace Patton—not Candace Patton—Iris uh, has no friends outside of that world. So, who else was she going to choose? It was either going to be Caitlin or Felicity. So, I mean, we knew it was going to be one of the two. You had a fifty-fifty shot in that. Uh, but for the first time in this season, uh, we see the thinker outside of his home base, wherever he is that he's out. Uh, he's out and about, and he, I'm assuming, captures the Weeper? He very much captured the Weeper, yeah. So I don't think he killed him. He didn't, he didn't create him to kill him. So um, we see him going after Weeper and, and capturing him. But it's the first time we're actually seeing... Uh, you know the thinker out and about in his floating chair, and which was kind very of weird. meta. Yeah, very very Metatron like though. You caught it a couple weeks back, and like maybe they're doing that. And I'm like, kind of looked like it this week. Yeah, they really did. I mean, they're definitely going Devo, but still, yeah, there was something about that that was like, huh. It, it I was almost, like, I don't know. 
I kind of wish they would have just kept him in his room. <laughs> so it, it almost seemed to me very well. Not Megatron. Um, I said Brainiac. Um, but oh no, it, you said you said Metatron uh, from um, uh, New Gods. I did. Oh, I did. I did. That's right. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I'm not Megatron. I was thinking Megatron. I was like, I never said Megatron. Uh, no, Metatron. You're right. Uh, but it almost seemed a like Metatron esque or uh, like a Brainiac meets Thanos kind of situation. Um, but yeah, so I don't know what to think of it yet, but we'll just have to wait and see what comes up with it. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to next week, uh, when Harry met Harry, uh, I don't think that's the court of Harry. I don't think that's the court. of. Uh, I think it is. <laughs> I is think it? This is the, I think this is the court of Wells episode coming up. All right. Uh, when, uh, it's uh, something I have to do with a native American artifact that, um, uh, oh, Native American artifact collectors are attacked by a meta who can bring inanimate objects to life. Barry turns to a surprising ally for help. So maybe that could be another Wells. Who knows? Uh, but Harry also enlists Cisco to help determine the identity of the thinker. Uh, but this is also, we know, an episode where uh, we're going to see some more Ralph, uh, some more elongated man. Oh, this is, yeah, the Council of Wells, a roundtable of the brightest Harrison Wells from various Earths. <laughs> I can't this wait is, for this. This is the Council of Wells. All and right, the, so. Uh, the unlikely help will most likely actually just be elongated man because, again, it, that's exactly where it, because nobody is expecting it yet at this yeah. point. And I think that's really what it was is because uh, he was not exactly a welcome addition to the bachelor party. He has no. crashed. So. But between seeing more with uh, Ralph and the Council of Wells, my hopes are back up for this week's episode of The Flash. I'm going to call it already that this coming week, this is going to be the best episode of this week. So I, I'm going to I'm putting my prediction on the plate. So we'll okay. see. No, I, I'm right there with you because looking ahead at what some of the other episodes are, I can't see anything being much better. Than, than this. Uh, the Council uh, of Wells, done and done. Yes. Uh, all right, let's jump to Legends of Tomorrow, Season 3, Episode 5, titled, appropriately named, Return of the Mac. The Legends run into Rip in 1897 London, where they attempt to hunt down a time-traveling vampire. Uh, I wrote no notes for this, because I, I really don't write notes for Legends anymore, because I really don't have to. Uh but a lot of interesting things that came out of this. They had a lot of fun with that song, that Mark Morrison song, uh, Return of the Mac. We got it a number of times throughout the episode, uh, both in the form of the song itself and from other people singing the song. Um, we got the return of Damien Dark, which was fucking fantastic. Oh, because, God, it was so good. <laughs> I mean, his oh. the, the first like one of the first lines he utters when he comes back. It was brilliant. I mean, it was exactly what it was, you would expect. And I loved they, it was him in a coffin and them just feeding blood to him, basically, uh, for this dark ritual to wake him back up. And I love the fact that they even had him rise out of the coffin like a classic old school vampire film. That complete upright, flat movement up, and then he's just in the air, looks at his wrist, he's like, who took my watch? Yeah, exactly. And that was, oh, God, it was so good. It was so brilliant, and it fit right along from what we would expect of this show, and that fun, and that you get him, like, doing all this stuff, like you said, rising up from the coffin and everything, and one of the first lines, who took my watch? And it's, you know, and it's just the delivery from Neil McDonough, and uh, along with that character and the fun of the show, that it just... I, I loved it. Um, I want to bring something up, and I want to get your opinion on this, and because it's something I've kind of noticed a little bit with the show, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I want to know if it's something you have noticed as well. 
is it just me or has or are they kind of going a little overboard with Nate and the cheesiness of his character? Uh, they are, but you know what? I'm okay with it. <laughs> okay. Because there was not a lot of Ray this episode because he had his time to shine last week. And it, you know what? I, I think Nate is just – he him and Ray normally play off of each other. It's so incredibly fun. And I think you have to do that now because both Amaya – and Zari are so straight-laced of characters that having somebody over the top, if you're missing Ray, having Nate be that character to fill in for that episode, it makes sense. Because it's not Jax's character. Um, you know, I loved what we got of, of Mick this week, of him, his obsession with vampires this week yeah. was great. Reading Dracula was fantastic. Um, but, I mean, like, he's the, he's the dry humor of it all. You know, Sarah is the... Hardcore stalwart, you know, you're Victor, phasing out Victor Garber, you know. I, so I think you've got the super plucky uh, humor from Ray, and now you kind of have the dumb dumb humor, dumb moments coming out of, of, of Nate, and I think it works okay here. I think it's all right. So Okay. Uh, no, I mean, again, I didn't say that it was necessarily a bad thing, but I just wanted to know if it was something that you had picked up on. They feel like they're leaning into it a little bit more this season, but I think it's also, too, because his comedic timing is just amazing. Uh, I think Nick Zanos has just, just been knocking out of the park with his comedic timing so far this season. So, Okay. Um Ah, my mind went completely blank. Oh, you mentioned, you know, we didn't get a lot of Ray out of this episode, which uh, was one of the disappointing things that I got. And it wasn't because of not having Ray in the picture. It was because I I think you missed a moment to have husband and wife interacting together on screen. Because, uh, as I had mentioned last week, Courtney Ford, who is playing Eleanor Dark, is, in fact, Brandon Routh's real-life wife. Uh, that being said, she's also scheduled to be in at least three more episodes this season. So I'm 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 hoping at least at some point we're going to get that interaction between Ray and Eleanor. Uh, oh, so that was Madame Eleanor. Yeah, uh, Damien, yeah, that was it, Madame Eleanor. Madame Eleanor. Okay, so it's yeah. Okay, so that's just that was who that was because like, I know she appeared before me and my wife were trying to track down who that was. Uh, and it was driving us nuts, and we're like, okay, she's from an episode of How I Met Your Mother, and that's all we had to go on. But now that you put that connection together, good to go. All right, I am. Yep. I'm feeling much better. That is that is Brandon Routh's real-life wife, uh, and I said she's going to be – she was also in the last season of Supernatural. Her character was written off, but she's been in a, a, a ton uh, of stuff. So I do want to see – this interaction between Ray and Eleanor. And I don't think they addressed it in the episode, but Madam Eleanor is Damien's daughter. Hmm. Uh, Cause she, she is Eleanor dark. So she is, uh, I think it's been, I think it's already been revealed in the news that it was, it's Damien's daughter. So I don't know how exactly that's coming into play yet, because that would mean she would have to be some kind of time traveler as well. Well, they did say Mollus is all throughout all of time, so... Well, not necessarily, too, because Damien's been around for a long time, so she wouldn't necessarily have to be his present-day daughter. He, She could be a daughter from the past. That's very true. Um, so, I have no idea, so... Me neither. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out and if that's something that's even going to be revealed anytime soon. Um you know, because she is listed in the credits as Eleanor Dark. So she is one way or another a relative of Damien's. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm sure we're going to get that that uh, that interaction between the two of them at some point. 
Absolutely. So, uh, I know you gave this a legend. Uh, I gave it a hero. But what were some of the other things that kind of leaned you into giving this one the legend that you gave it? I, I, God, it was it was really <laughs> if anything. It was just Damien Dark. Uh, everything about just all of that was just had me smiling. Uh, having him back was just made me so incredibly happy, and I was just exceptionally, exceptionally giddy when they were they had his little sequence where he's just beating the hell out of you know the time agents and just just having a blast doing so, and it was just so much fun to watch. There was not a single moment that did not make me smile that he was on screen, and I think that there was nothing poorly done with that at all. So I, I, that was a full-on giant thumbs up from me. Uh, and the show just consistently is having a good time. And I love the fact that you're now seeing Rip in hot water again. I love the fact that he is back to Rip that we knew of season one, where he is in it for himself. That's exactly the way he's functioning and playing things. And it's just working out that way. And I think that's okay. I think that's, you know... That's it makes the most sense for his character from what we know of him. And now that he's kind of pitted against both the Time Bureau and the Legends, this kind of allows us to hopefully see them reconnect with the Legends before season's end. And that's my hope. But well, it's a wait and see. I generally don't know what else they're going to do with that. But I think that's the way we're going to see it happen is he's going to reconnect with the Legends before season's over. So, I th- yeah, I, th- I see that as well. And I also see that the way this storyline ended, because I agree with you. Uh, I love everything that they actually did with Rip this season. And, you know, he even says it at um, at one point in the episode when he's talking to Sarah that, you know, I, I need your help more than any more than ever right now. So he knows something that's going on that apparently the rest of the time um, uh, the time agents just don't know about or don't believe him on. So he knows that the legends will be there to help him. Uh, but again, I also saw this episode as a way – and if this is what they're doing, I, I I wholeheartedly agree with it, and I'm all for it. As much as I love Rip's character, this looked like this was a way to kind of almost write off Rip for a little while, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is very smart because now you've got, um, uh, you know, you've got these agents that are they're now giving the as um, as Ava Sharp says at the end, we don't have time to follow a ship full of idiots. Uh, you know, so um, the legends are now free to do what they need to do without any, uh, without any, uh, without any interaction or hesitation from the Time Bureau, uh, without anything from Rip. Even though I think you're right, we're going to see Rip join the fold again at one point or another towards the end of the season. But I think we're actually going to go for a little while without Rip. And, I do too. Yeah. And I think again, what what I the reason why I like this more and more is because. Last season, the first, you know, first season of the show, we got Rip putting this team together and this team learning to be cohesive with, um, you know, without Rip uh, or with Rip. Second season, we got them kind of learning to be cohesive with each other without Rip, uh, but, you know, still looking for Rip at the same time. Now, Rip is not a distraction whatsoever. This is the point in time when we're going to find out what this team is really made of. Yeah, so, that's the way I look at it, at least. No, I'm right there with you. And I think that's actually the most important thing is having him have very little presence. And so far, he has had very little presence this season. I mean, we, the moments that we've got him, they've been short to the point, And that's kind of it. And I think that's great. That's actually a, a positive thing for his character because it allows the characters 
on the outside to stand on their own, and that's exactly what has made this season already a ton of fun. I think as far as just fun enjoyment, this show has consistently knocking out of the park and just done so since season two uh, on a very normal basis. And I think they're continuing that trend. And it's great. It feels like these wonderful one-offs. It feels like we're finally now seeing this this plot move forward. This is the first time we heard John Noble's malice this week, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking through Eleanor Dark, and that was, I think, something I didn't expect quite yet. And but it's great now seeing all of these totem bearers kind of being kind of like the hand of Mollus throughout time. And I think this is actually making me a little bit more comfortable with the idea of the mystic baddies. And I think it's actually playing out fun, especially knowing that you have Damian Dark and Nella's daughter as two of the big ads could make this kind of fun. Colossus, I think, kind of an empty character. Uh, but I think having people like them to play off of can make this really entertaining. So, Yeah. Uh, I did like the fact of actually getting to see a ancestor of Dr. Martin Stein. We did get uh, <laughs> Sir Henry Stein this time around, which I thought mm-hmm. was a lot of fun. Uh, but again, you know, I think you kind of made mention of it a little bit earlier on that we're now starting to go full bore into the separation of Martin Stein and Jax and Firestorm becoming uh, its own entity in, in, in Jax. So we now know that Martin knows about it. You know, Professor Stein knows about that, what their plans are. And he's now on board because he knows why they're doing it. Right. And it's basically to get him home. So I, I'm very curious as to how many more episodes we're going to see victor garber in legends well let's wait until we hit the news to discuss that because i'm starting to feel like we have an answer to that so okay um i'm wondering whether or not i'm what i'm going to be able to say regards to this when i get to talk to him this weekend uh probably not so (laughs) what do you mean probably not my guess is no uh, you will you will not be able to probably bring it up. Uh, they they will probably give you a very vague, vague answer. Oh yeah, because I mean, if you if you look ahead, he's already slated to be in part four of Crisis on Infinite Earth. So mm-hmm. uh, or Crisis on Earth X. So uh, we know he's going to be Firestorm or at least one half of Firestorm through the crossover. So we still have at least two or three more episodes of him as Firestorm. So it's it's not anything that is coming up. Immediately. Right. So, um, anything else about Legends that I might be forgetting or that you want to bring up before we, we move on? Uh, I'm just going to bring up my recommendation right now is to go back and just listen to the Return <laughs> of the Mac. And that's it. <laughs> uh, uh, that is that is my most important thing you can do all week is listen to that song for at least an hour straight on repeat. And, <laughs> and let me know about your mental state next week. And that's that's the experiment that we're going to do. So, All right. Uh, let's move on to the final show of the week then that being season 6 episode 5 of Arrow Deathstroke returns Slade returns and asks Oliver for help tracking down his son the rescue mission gets complicated by a terrible revelation that could shatter Slade's hopes of reunion Vigilante reappears in Star City what do we start with do we start with the Slade stuff or do we start with the Vigilante stuff oh I know where to start hey a show about Arrow. Okay, cool. Awesome. Uh, let's, for the second week, barely use the character. <laughs> Why would you spend that much time to be like, cool, John Diggle is the new Green Arrow. We've had basically maybe half of an episode with him at this point. But that happened three episodes ago. 
they are really wasting a great opportunity to do something really fun here. And I know we're going to get the Richard Dragon thing next week, which we do know, and we, you know, we, we discussed this, and we haven't even broke this down in full, but I know this, again, came with some of the conversations with the Arrow, uh, you know, the Arrow fans uh, out there, which was um, basically them saying, he's like, you know, the idea is everybody's going to have their own individual big bads this year. Yeah. Great. Awesome. You know, I know Caden James is the Felicity one. We know Richard Dragon's going to be the John Diggle one. We can pretty much assume Black Canary's one is now Vigilante. Uh, that's awesome. That's also wonderful. Who the hell is Oliver's big bad this season? Because I don't know. I have no idea where the hell they're going with this season because it seems so scattered. And I just I don't know what they're doing. And it's making me kind of concerned. Uh, and I know I keep bringing this up, but man. I don't know what the season is trying to do. I really don't. It is so all over the place. I know it's still super early on. I I, I just don't know what to say. I I'm, I'm just I'm as confused as I am about the messaging of Supergirl this week as far as what they're trying to attempt to do this season in Arrow. I, I'm just really not entirely certain. No, I'm, I mean, I'm right there with you, too. I mean, right from the very start of the episode, the one thing that I'm – it's a storyline they've been dragging on for a couple weeks now. I know it's going to keep going, but I really don't get the purpose, and I'm kind of already tired of the whole FBI investigation on everybody on the team. I don't know what they're doing with it. Um, is this – I mean, I could understand if this – FBI agent was um, shit. And my mind is completely blank. The one that's in charge of the Suicide Squad, um, Amanda Waller. Amanda Waller. If this was Amanda Waller, it would make a little bit more sense to me. But who is this chick? Like, who is she? Nobody. Uh, like, uh, uh, she's a nobody, and she's figuring out who all these people are, and they're playing it off as in, like, you know, it uh, is what it is. I didn't even think about that, man. Massive just negative points to this show as well. They they're dealing with this giant mess. Who's Diggle's wife? Yeah, where is Diggle's wife? The head of Argus. Do you think she, the head of Argus can shut down an FBI agent? I'm pretty sure she could. Wouldn't that be call one? And they haven't done it. And like, hey, we have this FBI agent barking up our tree in a little like city, not like Metropolis or Gotham, Star City, not like the biggest city in the Earth or anything like that, but like. Just shut it down. <laughs> Get her yeah. fired. Do whatever you need to do. And I know that's not the way that they operate, but just just make her go away. Just put it's, the kibosh on this investigation and be over and done with it. They've done this so many times in the show, and I, I, I really hate to feel like I'm bagging on Arrow uh, because I think it's because we loved last year so much, and the only reason, again, I'm continuously like just frustrated, but you've heard me talk about it with the other shows, like, like Supergirl and Flash. Uh, and look, I will not say I think anything more on the Felicity Oliver relationship about that this week. My my statements and on that in the past here are are have held firm. You guys know exactly where I stand on it. But man, come on, this is this is getting into lazy writing territory yet again. This is the third time Oliver has been unmasked in six seasons. It's the same amount of time that we've had new Black Canaries. <laughs> like they apparently have like when they write an all like you know an arrow like outline for a season like we have five plot lines which one do we go with this season well we've done that one before do it again no one's gonna know it was two seasons ago uh that's exactly what it's starting to feel like and they need to get their heads out of their asses and do something new and unique 
stop giving us this random cybercrime like um let's end the world because let's end the end the world because yay raw fun uh you know like and i think it, it's that that's great but like then yes you had quentin dealing with oliver uh, you know being unmasked then you had you know the whole other one with you know where roy had to step in and take the fall it did all these things and it keeps happening now we have it yet again and it's last season they did it too with susan williams the reporter and like this is who oliver queen is they did it with prometheus for fuck's sake sorry guys i apologize for the cursing but that's, <laughs> that's not supposed to be your filler for your seasons to just do and fall back on the same plot lines. You have to be original sometimes. It's okay to go outside of your comfort zones. And I really want to see Arrow not be afraid to just shake up their formula a little bit because, man, they're playing back on the same concepts and ideas time and time again between relationships, unmasking uh, unmasking the vigilantes, you know, and, and actually this week actually unmasking vigilante. And surprise, surprise, not really interesting. Um, oh, God. <laughs> and but now again this FBI thing and I'm like they need to just move move forward and I think they need to you know this was the opportunity this season to say hey for six seasons the Leanne Yu story Oliver's past this is the real start of the Green Arrow and he, they're saying we're going to start him by being the real Green Arrow by not having him be the Green Arrow and it's not the way I would have gone um, that's really where my mind is no it's, and I I'm right there with you, and you know, while you bring it up and you bring up the topic of vigilante and reveal of vigilante, let's just get right to that and the disappointment that that was this week. Um, I, I really feel like the writers of the show, uh, I think they had an idea where they wanted to go with it, and it didn't work out in the way that they wanted it to, and they kind of screwed the pooch a little bit on this. Uh, you know, when vigilante was first revealed in the season, uh, last season, I think it was beginning of season five was the first time we ever saw vigilante because we were led to believe it was going to be Adrian chase. Um, Adrian chase instead, turns out to be Prometheus. So now we have this whole mystery as to who vigilante is, but at the same time, he's somebody who, while he's working in his own ways, he has helped the group before. So we're led to believe that this is somebody who we know who is taking on the role. And that led us to believe that, hey, maybe it could be Quentin Lance. Hey, maybe it could be Curtis's husband. It could be a number of other people. We were never led to – we were led to believe that it was somebody that we know. And then now we find out that this current week, Vigilante is Vincent Sobel, a.k.a. Um, a character Dinah that all Drake. of you were like, huh? Who? <laughs> Dinah Drake's ex-partner. We were introduced to Vigilante – and led to believe he was somebody that we knew before Dinah was introduced. That's what leads me, leads me to believe that they had other plans for this character and they weren't able to do it. I heard somebody, I read something uh, online, and actually it was from our listener Anne who posted it uh, in a different group, who had said she would have even been okay. Because you know Anne from the post that she has. She's an avid Arrow fan. Oh, I think Anne is phenomenal. She is one of the most stalwart Arrow fans, and I think she is an amazing fan and such a true, just like, just amazing voice for that show. And I think she's got some of the best opinions I've ever read online. So, and and she absolutely does. And I I I see Anne at Heroes and Villains all the time. She's a great, wonderful person in, in real life too. And you're right. She's a huge stalwart. She's a huge supporter for the character, and she will defend that show left and right, even when we put it down. She will defend that show. 
even she was disappointed in this reveal of Vigilante. She even said that she would have even bought, if they could have found a way to bring Josh back, to make him an identical twin of Adrian Chase. She would have liked that better than what we got this week. Uh, in it being Vincent Sobel. And then at the same time, not only do we find out that Vigilante is revealed to be this guy, we had no idea who the hell he even was. Uh, he's also a metahuman, which I thought was something, with the exception of Dinah and um, Black Siren, Arrow wanted to stay away from. I thought they wanted to stay grounded in reality. This, the canary cry, I can understand. Yes, Ragman, okay, a little bit, uh, again, but they kind of wrote Ragman off. You've got a guy that literally can't die. He's shot in the head and cannot die. Uh, that's the, that, that is the epitome of a metahuman, if I've ever heard one. And for a show that wanted to get away from it, now you're diving right into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, uh, again, I... I I hated what they did with Vigilante. I really did. I was so disappointed when the mask came off and it was somebody that we didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sorry, I ran it. Oh, no, no. That's where my brain's at, too. And, you know, it's all good. And, again, we said it the other week. I still enjoy the show. I still happily watch it. Um, And some weeks it's harder to watch than others. And that's – it's quite okay, you know. Uh, and it's seen with all these other shows, though. Sometimes, too, it's really hard to be like, I have to watch Supergirl this week, even though I might be like, I really wish I could just binge watch this season or these first three, next three or four episodes. And, you know, unfortunately, the, the way that we do the show, that's not an opportunity we have. So sometimes it's it's like pulling teeth in those moments. And when you have episodes like this that we had across the board a lot this week for most of these shows, it, it, it sometimes makes it difficult to be excited and Air is one of those shows that is making me a little worried and making me a little uh, afraid to be excited. So because they're just not sticking their landings episode to episode this this season so far. Uh, There's been very little that has made me um, happy with the direction that they're going. But again, I still don't put it in the caliber of season three, season four. Um, It's just uh, it's just you can see a light at the end of the tunnel. It's just nowhere close to being out of the woods yet. So, no, no, I agree with you completely. I will say, uh, this episode did have a highlight for me, and um, oh, I had be, one too. <laughs> <laughs> it might be the same one. Um, the fight sequence with Deathstroke oh, at the end of the episode, so I, amazingly good, and there was a long single shot in there too, a real long single yeah. shot. So, and it it just goes to show you once again something we said before that as even if the writing is weak in this show. Man, this show is on par, if not above par, when it comes to their stunt team. Yeah, no, I still think even out of, you know, everybody, you know, gives a lot of praise to the MCU shows on Netflix. And you know what? I I think some of them are really fantastic. I still don't think any of these shows touches what Arrow can successfully do week to week with having one massive, beautiful fight choreography without question every week. And they just... Man, it succeeded yet again this week with another moment that just had my jaw on the floor. I'm like, wow, every bit of this is is just amazingly impressive. And this is the first time we saw a full-on, hardcore Deathstroke, the Terminator, just going full force and just laying waste, man. And he was unhinged. And I love Manu Bennett. I think he is such an exceptional actor, such a great, amazing choice for this character. 
and just brought this character to life in such a big, bad way since he made his first appearance in season one. And man, I am just so happy that he's still around. Yeah, I am too. And it's it's actually that was the only bummer about me giving up that arrow cast panel uh, to the other panel moderator at for Heroes and Villains Atlanta this coming week is Manu Bennett is on that panel. Uh, everybody else I've already been on stage with. I was really looking forward to meeting Manu Bennett, and I still can meet him. I just won't be sharing the stage with him at all. So, uh, but yeah, I mean the Deathstroke storyline it, it was good. Um, you know, we did finally get to see. Um, uh, his son, uh, Joe, um, yeah, Joseph. Joe, who not exactly, um, uh, AKA, I think Kane Wolfman, uh, is the name that they used in, in the show. Uh, but you know, Joseph Wilson is obviously his, his real name. Um, we don't know yet if he is Jericho. Uh, up him. I'm kind of curious on how it's going to play out because they really changed up that formula of the Joseph Jericho storyline. Normally, uh, Slade is too late to save the day. And, uh, causes him to get his throat sliced open and which leaves him mute and gives us the actual version of Jericho that we know and love very well from the comic books. Uh, and when they can't save him from the jackals in the comics, I was like, cool, we're going to go to, you know, Casnia, we're going to meet the jackals and we met the jackals. Uh, just not the way we thought. And man, that was yeah. a great twist. I was really happily surprised with the way that they changed that up and made joseph actually the leader of the jackals and i thought that was pretty fantastic yeah the only other thing i don't i I will make a note of this too and it's the final thing i have to say about arrow is i know we brought it up earlier and that everybody is getting kind of their own big bad this season and things like that um it feels like the format of the show this season is changing because of that uh you know last season we got the main storyline followed by side plots uh mixed in with um with crossovers this season there are no crossovers and it seems like rather than getting a main plot intertwined with the little side plots the side plots are actually becoming the main plot and oliver's taking a back seat uh it's something that i don't like it almost feels like i want to come i'm going to compare it to a show that i absolutely love uh but when i say that when i compare it to it the format of that show i'm going to compare it to lost which I absolutely love. But the format of Lost does not work for a show like this. Um, in that it seems like Oliver now, uh, Oliver, um, Arrow now is taking one character, making them the main plot while everybody else is a side plot. And then the next week it rotates somebody else is the main plot while everybody else is a side plot. And so far, since Arrow, since Oliver has given up the mantle, we don't get any, we barely get any Oliver now. Even in this Deathstroke storyline, Oliver wasn't as prevalent as Deathstroke. So it's kind of bothering me a little bit, this new format of the show. And I hope that by the time the crossover hits and Arrow, Oliver takes back this, or at least by after the mid-season break and it comes back, we're back to the old Arrow that we know in that everybody is part of the main plot with a couple side plots here and there. And it focuses more on the team as a whole. Yeah. Well, like I said, we do know by the time that uh, everything rolls around, come the crisis on Earth-X, he's down in the hood again. So we know this week we've got the Richard Dragon episode. We've got the Thanksgiving episode the week after that, which means most likely by that Thanksgiving episode, by the end of that, we know that's going to be back to status quo. So, 
Yeah, that's that's what I'm hoping. Yeah. So, uh, anything else on Arrow before we uh, we take it to the news? No. Uh, so let's just head over. Let's. You know, like I said, we'll again reiterate, uh, there was the statement again made by Gal Gadot as far as Brett Ratner's uh, work with Rat Pack Entertainment. Uh, We do not know yet if that actual statement from her uh, has been redacted. There was a story about two, three hours ago stating that no confirmation has been made if she will continue to move forward. Uh, unless Rat Pack Entertainment separates their ways from uh, Warner Brothers, but no, no confirmation on that as of yet. We will talk about that down the road. So we're going to put that to bed, as we mentioned before. Same as the other story between Kreisberg. So that is the end of that conversation for the time being. But let's talk about what we do know about Wonder Woman 2, and that is Warner Brothers has made their decision to move the uh, sequel up by six weeks, which was a very wise move. Yes, uh, it was. Because December 13th also had another very notable film right in its stead, which was Star Wars Episode Nine. Uh, and if anybody's going to release a movie outside of that, they know they're idiots. So uh, <laughs> um, I'm very, very happy that they decided, hey, you know what? We have six weeks to make as much money as we can and then just not really be considered to be anything at that time. So. Uh, most of the films make most of their mo- like money in that time frame anyway. So the wise move now, Wonder Woman 2, directed by Patty Jenkins, will launch currently at the tentative date of November 1st, 2019. I would not be surprised if that date even moves up slightly ahead of that, too. Uh, maybe late October. So it's a wait and see. Um, a little bit more, too, on the film side of things. And that is uh, Ben Affleck speaking out again about his future as the Bat. Uh, which I think we're not really going to have a really strong idea, probably until uh, probably Saturday or Sunday, where he truly stands on things. Um, because we do know at the time of this recording, it's now 8.30 Monday night on the 13th. Uh, midnight tonight, folks, uh, embargoes break for Justice League. Uh, the press is allowed to release all of their uh, reviews at this point in time. I think we're going to have a really good knowledge of exactly what, to expect of his future is this character. I think that's really where it's going to play. But he basically said, you know, it's a, uh, you know, as far as the role is going, he's like, it's something I'm contemplating. He's like, you don't do it forever. So I want to find a graceful and cool way to segue out of it. Uh, so the question is, does he want to go in for a full trilogy? Then there's the big question after Justice League comes out, what Warner Brothers has to say about their new uh, brand line. Are they going to go with this uh, connected universe still? Are they not going to do this? Uh, I have a feeling we're going to have to wait until San Diego Comic-Con to really know too much more about the real future of all of this. So I think we've got some time before we're going to get a true answer. But I think we're going to hear a lot of small comments like this come out between now and the summertime. So I think that's some time before we're really going to have a good answer. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's actually, you know, I can say this now. Uh, we are not going to say the actual true answers of this, but if you <laughs> want to absolutely, absolutely, absolutely know what the end credits are for Justice League, both sequences have been released. There's discussion that there may be a third. Um, I told Ben what one of them is. I didn't tell him what the other is, but uh, for those of you who are curious, I'm going to give you a laundry list, and maybe one or two of these is true. There's a chance that all these are not true at all. So uh, just something I thought that would make a couple people of you laugh. So we're after credit sequence of seeing how Jordan receiving his ring, uh, a sequence where you see Abin Sir and the Guardians make an appearance, uh, a full showing of Mr. Miracle 
and Big Barda with Deathstroke. Uh, a foot race between Superman and Flash, or even potentially an appearance by Lex or Deathstroke. So something that you could think of maybe could uh, be showing up out of one of those random things I threw at you. Oh, and also, I'm sorry, there was the other one of two is Martian Manhunter. So. And uh, a, a large bag of Chacos. So <laughs> uh, so it's possible it could be one of those things, guys. So, uh, But you have to stick around to the end of the movie when it comes out this Friday night. Um, we will not be able to tell you anything about it until after we see it. Hopefully we'll see it right before Turkey Day. Uh, so my hope is maybe Wednesday night next week we'll, we'll try to see a showing. So Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of hoping it's going to be like Tuesday or Wednesday night. So yeah, probably uh, Wednesday. It sucks because I have a screening of it tomorrow night and we agreed to see it together so that for the sake of the podcast, so I can't go to the screening tomorrow. Okay. Uh, But, you know. All right. So let's get (laughs) into some of the other things here. Uh, So the Doom Patrol may be joining DC's Titans TV series, which is something kind of to be excited about. So and, uh, you know, uh, Jeff Johns had something a little bit to say and says uh, we are absolutely having a blast. Uh, he said, uh, Green Tigers, Doom Patrol, and Halo. We are absolutely having a blast on all things Titans right now. And everybody's like, whoa, 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 huh, hold on, back up. Doom Patrol, say that again. Uh, there <laughs> were a couple people that were brought up just the other week, such as some hints that we would see people like maybe Roy Harper, Rita Fair, you know, uh, a.k.a. Elastigirl, Angela Roth is uh, a.k.a. Ariella, and then some maybe other characters like, you know, Negative Man, things like that. So, Everybody's really curious to see where this is going to go. But if they are bringing Doom Patrol into this Titan show, man, I'm more excited than ever. Uh, but let's jump into some things that we do know about, and that's over in Supergirl. We know Laurie Metcalf is joining season three of Supergirl as I think it's just a single appearance, but it sounds like she will be playing when shots a strange mother. Uh, so we obviously know uh, Winston Shot Sr., a.k.a. the Toy Man, when made his first appearance back in season one. Well, this will be the first time we'll be seeing his mother. So uh, we don't know exactly the episode this will be showing up, but it, everybody obviously remembers the biggest place that Laurie Metcalf made her big, huge break, which is the character Jackie Harris on Roseanne. Uh, and the te- uh, series is slated to come back in 2018, which more than likely she'll uh, have a, a, a home for there as well. So, But we will definitely be seeing her make her appearance in Supergirl sometime soon. All right. Heading into some Legends of Tomorrow discussions. Um Heatwave makes some uh, comments about the return of his good friend, Captain Cold. Actually, but not Captain Cold, Citizen Cold. So we know Wentworth Miller is indeed coming back. And Purcell basically said, you know, I was like, oh, well, the writers brought them together. On a, you know, he's like, he's like, well, I can elaborate is on the relationship between Heatwave and Captain Cold or not Captain Cold, Citizen Cold. It's definitely changed. Uh, the audience will see a real difference in his character and also how Rory reacts to this new Captain Cold, if you will. So it was interesting. We're dealing with some really topical stuff. Um, so uh, he said, you know, it's always fun working with uh, Went. He's one of my best mates. We have an on screen chemistry that is just absolutely unsurpassed. You know, we call each other freaking frack, salt and pepper. Again, I keep repeating this. This is easy to work with that because he's such a great friend of mine, and we work so much together. And on so many shows, our rhythms are just absolutely in sync. So it's not difficult at all. But he said he was really happy to get to do this one more time. So I'm I'm excited. I, I I'm looking forward to seeing Wentworth Miller again on the show. Mm-hmm. And I, it's it sucks that it's looking like it's going to be probably his last time and his final time on. The well, show. we do know he made uh, he did shoot some stuff for Flash. So too so. My guess is we're not getting a single viewing of just one episode 
in this uh, this crossover. I think we're going to see multiple episodes, and I think we'll see one final bow out of him actually as Captain Cold as well. So, gotcha. Um, but he did say they just finished filming with him last week, and we know the Crisis on Earth X has been done for a little bit now. So I think we'll see one more final appearance at the end of the season. So, um, all right. So Arrowverse. And this crossover, it sounds like the Legends of Tomorrow one is going to be a tearjerker. Now, we don't know much, but they did say there is definitely a moment in the Legends episode, which is the climax of it all. Uh, It sounds like we may be seeing this massive climax and a potentially fatal sacrifice to deliver a huge emotional blow in the episode. Um, So it makes us really question, are they going to find a way to separate Firestorm? Are we going to see both Jax and Stein go out? So um, that's where my brain's at right now. So um, form your own opinions. But that's what I'm thinking is we're going to not say just goodbye to one character, but two. So that would suck. Yeah. Uh, Or maybe the Steins going out. So very possible. All right. So uh, now there is some more synopsis stuff here for the Crisis on Earth X if you'd like, I can read that verbatim. They did say there's a little spoiler, a spoiler in there somewhere. So, And you know what? We're so close. I don't know if it should. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what? Screw it. We're just going to dive in. So if you don't want to hear it, just like plug your ears, take your uh, headphones out. Uh, give me 20 seconds on the clock. The epic four-way crossover with Arrow, Supergirl, and Flash, and the Legends of Tomorrow begins. Barry and Iris' wedding brings the gang together, but things go awry when villains from Earth-X attack the ceremony. All the superheroes band together with help from their super friends like Citizen Cold, The Ray, Felicity Smoke, Iris West, and Alex Danvers. Take on the most formidable villains yet. Earth's muddiest heroes, Green Arrow, Supergirl, The Flash, and White Canary lead their teams into battle to save the world. So, and we are done. So, All right. Um, so that's pretty much just, again, stating Citizen Cold and the Ray. Uh, pretty much that's about it. We've, we've known this stuff for a while now, so not a big shock. Yeah. All right. And I think that is really going to do it. Oh, no, there was one final one that I almost forgot to mention. Uh, as we mentioned last week, we knew the Season 3 pack for the Fighter Pack for Ju- Injustice 2 was coming, and uh, we found out about it Friday night, actually. And um, we got to see a full video on it, and as we've stated in the past, we did know that the Atom was indeed in the mix. A character that we expected for some time, too, was also the character of the Enchantress. But more surprisingly, it was the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth character in the (laughs) Spider-Pack, and that is none other than... Raphael, Michelangelo, Donatello, and Raphael, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You said Raphael twice. Oh. Leonardo. Leonardo, Raphael, Michelangelo, Donatello. So Yeah, all the good ones end in O. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, kind of excited for this, but I'm really curious on how they're going to play this off. So is it this premiere pack skins, uh, but obviously they all have their own uh, weapons, so... Maybe we are getting um, a huge mixed bag on this, but I'm not quite sure. But I'm I'm excited to see what they got they actually do with this. So, I'm sorry that saying that line just makes me want to go back and watch the movies again. I know <laughs> the original movies are so good; they really are. 
Uh, well, at least the first one. And the second one's fun, and the third one is I, kind of a train like wreck and Sec- a half. <laughs> I like Secret of the Ooze. Secret of the Ooze is fun. I said it's fun. Yeah. I, I, I think the first one's generally a good movie. The, the second one is fun. <laughs> uh, I mean, come on, it's got ninja rap with vanilla ice. It does. We can definitely say the third <laughs> one is not a good film, though. No. No. No, and it's, it's, so, it's so funny, too, because... Um, uh, we interviewed Stephen Amell on the red carpet of the um, of the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when he did Casey Jones, and Adam was the one that got to do the interview. I was the cameraman, and Adam asked him. He's like, "Yeah, he's like, you know, it's almost going back to the, you know, to the um, to the original Ninja Turtle movies." And he's like, uh, "He's like," and Stephen agreed. He's like, "Yeah, he's like, it's very nostalgic in that sense." And he's like, "You know, going back to the first two, you know, first two Ninja Turtle movies." And Adam was like, "Yeah, we don't talk about." He's, he's like, "Yeah, he's like, maybe not the third one." And Stephen's like, "What?" He's like, third one." He's like, "Yeah, they made a third one." He's like, "Oh no, we don't talk about the third one." <laughs> <laughs> so even <clears throat> Stephen knows the third one ain't that good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that does it for us. So uh, cheap plugs. Let's get out of here and go to bed. Yeah. Cool. I still got to eat dinner. Ooh. Sucks. Good luck. I know, I know. Late. I shouldn't be eating this late, but I got to do it. Uh, cheap plugs. So you can find me on the Showcast Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network, as well as all of the other podcasts that are all here on the Next Level Podcast Network, nextlevelradioonline.com, facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline, and of course the Facebook page for DC Primetime. Uh, facebook.com slash DC primetime. Uh, if you subscribe to us on iTunes or Google play, if you don't subscribe to us, we encourage that you do. Cause you do get the, you do get the podcast sooner. Uh, and if you do subscribe to us on there, all we ask is that if you could please leave us a nice review on those platforms. All right. And you can always check out our good friend, George Shaw at shawmusic.com. Uh, we thank him each and every week for the music you get to hear in this podcast. As for me, you can always find me more over at nextlevelradioonline.com through the Caffeine Group cast of pods. Uh, just a couple days ago, the Halloween episode did come out. So if you haven't got a chance to check that one out, uh, relive bef- uh, you know the times before the coming of Christmas, that being Halloween. So because uh, we don't really celebrate Thanksgiving in this country anymore. We just Apparently go, not. We, we go from December 30 or, or October 30th, the day before Halloween. And the next morning says Christmas has thrown up on everything. So, um, but yeah, <laughs> so if you want to uh, relive uh, Halloween this year, go back, check out that episode. We talked lots about horror movies and some of our favorite and least favorite things about horror, which was quite a blast to do. And uh, in just a couple of weeks, we will try to cram in an episode before we get into the chaos that is Christmas. Uh, but a big, again, recommendation again this week is you can still donate to Extra Life by still heading over to www.extra-life.org to either Ben or myself. So Ben Beck in the player field or Rob Martin, uh, you can donate until the end of the year. This will be our last plug that we will bring up for it. We did raise an amazing amount of money thanks to you guys. I really appreciate it. And remember, one hour long, everybody needs to do this. Return of the Mac on repeat. <laughs> I really want to know what your mental state is by the end of that nightmare. So, <laughs> so, uh, or or if you just remember all the lyrics, I will quiz you. So, <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't really want to know the mental state of anybody who does that. Uh, I will. I'll let you know tomorrow. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, that being said, thank you once again, everybody, for being. I'm not forgetting anything, right? Uh, no, or but you know points. what? Actually, before we say our final goodbyes. Because in three hours and 15 minutes, we will know the reviews of Justice League. What is your thoughts on the scores that it's going to hit? Not on Rotten Tomatoes, but what do you think the general response is going to be? 
on a scale of what are we talking? Are we talking uh, uh, A, B, one, C, D? Are we one through one hundred? Uh, one through ten. One through ten rating. One through ten rating. Um. Oh man, that it's tough. I think it's gonna score, and I'm being generous. I I I think I'm looking at maybe like around a seven. I, I think we're gonna see between a seven and an eight. Okay. It, I think that's the the. It sounds like it reviewed well. Um, and yeah, so I'm, my brain's gonna say between a seven and an eight. If I say if Wonder Woman was a nine, I'm hearing it's it's very close in tone. So uh, seven between. I'm gonna say seven five to an eight. So. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with seven. Awesome. Uh, but now, with that being said, thank you once again, always, always, for being a part of the community. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. We encourage you to share. And in the meantime, we will see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace.